Speaking of me, oh well, we got Gabe in the house today. Little slice of heaven, dice, delight. <laughs> no one's ever referred to me as a slice of delight. The first time for everything. Yeah, and the last. <laughs> we finally watched The Father. Yeah, the last of the eight best picture. Novels. The last of us. Anyway, we finally watched The Father, and uh, I think everything I've said up to this point holds true. I think I like Minari the most, as I predicted. Followed by Nomadland. <laughs> oh, Gabe. <laughs> I've never seen you with such a reaction to a movie before. You texted me about Nomadland in the manner in which I texted you about Godzilla vs. Kong. You're like, I can't believe this. <laughs> Only Nomadland was nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> and Godzilla vs. Kong. It might stand a chance next year. Yeah. So just like all the other movies this <laughs> year, The Father was made in 2019 before the pandemic and obviously released during the pandemic to just not a very great reception as far as making the money back because really there was no avenue to make its money back this is a pretty good movie i mean i think it would have done well if it would have released in the theater well being like it would have made probably about 100 million yeah it was like a sort of like an indie sleeper like i think it would have been one of those hits it's not a summer blockbuster no but it's a great movie glad i watched it i was unsure if i was i think we were both unsure if we were going to enjoy it going into it because we didn't know anything about it yeah other than it seemed kind of oscar baity just based on hopkins yeah based on olivia coleman what limited information we had but it was really interesting and subverted my expectations in a few ways i agree so let's jump into it okay as we do when we're going through the best picture oscar (laughs) nominations the process uh this is the last one well this film is the brainchild of florian zeller who is a, a young french playwright actually this was his first directorial feature that he has produced he's usually a writer and a director of stage play and I think he originally wrote and produced this in 2012 in France as La Par, or La Père, which is the French for the father. And then it wasn't until 2014 that it kind of blew up because it mm. started showing in England. And I think that's where Frank Langella, I can't remember if Frank Langella did it in England or America, but that's when the play started getting its recognition. Frank Langella did the stage version of... He was Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Okay. And then over time, Florian Zeller decided that he wanted to turn this into a feature. So, And he had always, from the get-go, when he started constructing the film, envisioned Anthony Hopkins as the father. So he actually approached Anthony first and says that he basically wouldn't have made the film if Anthony, or Anthony in this case, hadn't have come on board because it was essentially... Is there any story there that you know of how he got him on board? Is this kind of a big deal? Uh, the pr- producers and agents okay. got them in contact and then they had to sit down Anthony Hopkins, Florian Zeller, and the writer, Chris Hampton, who is... The reason he's credited on the screenplay is because he's historically been the one who has translated... Florian Zeller's stage plays from French into English. So that's how they came to know each other. So then when the time came for them to write the screenplay for this film, Chris Hampton was there, and he has a long list of credits. So they worked closely together, and then Anthony Hopkins came on board, and everything just kind of proceeded from there. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins, I feel like he's, I mean, apart from what the Thor movies... I feel like he's pretty picky about the movies that he shows up in. In fact, I remember when the first Thor movie was being made, 
there were like rumors that he was butting heads with Kenneth Branagh, who was the director, which is interesting because Kenneth Branagh, apart from him being a really popular actor, director of cinema, he's also uh, very famously intricately woven into the play stage play theater aspect of his career and anthony hopkins also coming from a theater background i think would have been really interested and not butted heads as much maybe that's why they did i don't know i love kenneth brana it sounded like anthony hopkins and florian zeller got along pretty well for this picture yeah anthony hopkins brought it in this movie (laughs) i i think they florian also said in an interview that they didn't do extensive rehearsing that they Mm. just did a like a quick run through on the day of, and otherwise mm. it was just Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman and the rest of the cast just doing it, just riffing. This film is really just a showcase for all of their acting abilities. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's talk about the cast first because we've already mentioned their names a hundred times, but Anthony Hopkins was the father, plays La Père, Anthony, or Anthony. Yeah, and uh, like we said, a lot of the film version of the father was sort of as we said, wrapped around Anthony Hopkins' story. So for instance, they changed the birth date of the character to be Anthony Hopkins' birth date. So when he oh, wow. so when he says in the film, like I was born on December, I think it was 31st, 1929 or something, that's actually Anthony Hopkins' birthday. Wow, I didn't know that. And then the rest of the cast was incredible. Olivia Coleman plays his daughter. and As well as yeah, Olivia Williams. Yeah, the story is... And Imogen Poots. We don't have to go into the story yet, but the rest of the cast, yeah, it was Olivia Williams, who plays an alternate version of Anthony Hopkins' daughter. Credited as the woman. Yep. There was also Mark Gattis and Rufus Sewell, and they were just alternate versions of his would-be son-in-law. And then also credited as the man, sort of an enigmatic man. And then Imogen Poots is... Uh, his caretaker, who's also reminiscent of his other daughter who had passed away previously. Correct. So the whole time is just, you're not sure who these characters are. They're playing different versions of yeah. characters. Very similarly, <laughs> I don't know if anyone out there saw I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, but, yeah. But the way that that movie plays with reality. I think the synopsis of the film said something about like the fabric of his reality is unraveling because of his dementia. Yeah, this movie also plays with reality sort of constantly breaking and you never really knowing the truth. So let's talk about the synopsis, I guess, really quick, and then we can come back to the <laughs> mixing rest, it up for the, the final podcast. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of the crew. Do you want to give us the lowdown? I'll try to do it as, as, qu- <laughs> as quickly as possible. There's this character who is played by Anthony Hopkins. He's the center of everything that happens in this movie, and he clearly has dementia or is losing his mind to some extent uh, due to some sort of Alzheimer's or whatever it is. But as the movie progresses, it's extremely non-linear. Sometimes scenes repeat themselves, but with different actors playing the same characters. Sometimes the story sort of plays out as new information is revealed as scenes that you had previously seen are extended. And that way, as you continue to watch and the characters continue to interchange surrounding, again, Anthony Hopkins as the father, you get more and more information. And then that sort of leads you to the end uh, result of the movie. Most of the story takes place in an apartment, which is important because that it came from a stage play. Yeah. And it was also really interesting listening to Florian Zeller talk about the production of it because when you're watching a play, you're only approaching the set from a single angle as an right. audience member. Yeah. And he said he had a lot of fun with his team, the crew, which we're about to shout out, uh, constructing this very labyrinthian set design of the flat 
Labyrinthian. Yeah, that was his word, but I would have used it anyway because it's a great word. In jumping <laughs> off that to the crew, because this was Florian Zeller's directorial debut. There are a lot of new faces here. It's not like an A24 picture where you get to see the same names every few weeks. For instance, we already mentioned Christopher Hampton, who helped Florian write the screenplay in English. Mm -hmm. There was the DP, Ben Smithard, Mm. who just shot the downtown Downton Abbey film two years ago. The edit was by Yorgos Lamprinos, who has a very extensive catalog of work, none of which are feature films in English. It seems like he's done a lot of uh, international films and shorts that I did not recognize any of. I think he's Swedish. I'm not sure. The composer was Ludovico Ainadi. Oh, I know him. Yeah, he did Nomadland. Mm-hmm. The production design, Peter Francis. The art direction, Amanda Daisley. And the set decorator, Kathy Featherstone. So all those people got to help Florian construct this labyrinthian apartment. And this, cause the set is a huge part of the story because of the nature of... Anthony Hopkins' dementia. Yeah. Unraveling his very memories. Yeah, it mirrors his mind. Like you said, the way it's nonlinear and told out of order, I think you could cut this film in such a way that, kind of like Memento, you could actually recut it to be in sequence and make more sense. Right. Which I'd be curious to see if there's anyone who will do that. Yeah. (laughs) Because some of these films end and begin in reverse, Mm -hmm. like you said, with just different actors playing the characters. Yeah, Memento and... Just because we had saw it earlier in the year, uh, I'm thinking of ending things were the two movies that came to mind when watching this. Yeah. Because it is extremely nonlinear. It's not just nonlinear, you know, for nonlinear's sake or doing something. It's not like a trope. This is nonlinear with intention. And uh, it constantly is keeping you guessing throughout the whole movie to keep you on your toes, to keep your attention. It's really nice in that way. I never got bored with it. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, what's actually happening? It was really good in that regard, I thought. Really good editing, honestly. Yeah, the editing was a huge... I'm glad that they found a good editor. Like you said, he had a, a pretty hefty background because they needed that. I think that was a lot of the backbone, especially for a first-time director. A skilled hand. Yes, <laughs> that's what it would take. <laughs> it was really interesting to watch for the little things, too, in the shots because as Anthony Hopkins is losing more and more of his mind over the course of the movie, little aspects of the film of the apartment keep changing until by the end it's completely different than how you had remembered it so that Florian and his team did a really fascinating job putting the audience into Anthony's shoes because you're even though you know this is more or less about dementia and the story doesn't rely too much on big blockbuster twists the slow and methodical unraveling of your expectations like I said I think it puts the audience into Anthony Hopkins shoes extremely well and you have Mm -hmm. the very cathartic final scene and you just really empathize with this character Yep. This film got a lot of traction, not just because it was so good, but because it had a very realistic portrayal of dementia and the stress that puts on not just the person suffering, but everyone around them. Yeah. When I think about how important my memories, my nostalgia is, are to me, I have often feared, wow, what would it be like to lose your mind, to to not remember things or start to interchange faces or people or identities or memories and and essentially you become someone who is unlike your actual self so the person that you have been throughout your whole life that people are familiar with you end up becoming someone else entirely because 
you're just not the same person. You have a different mind. It's working differently. And there's a massive fear there. And uh, watching this movie was like watching one of my greatest fears of what it would be like to lose my mind come true. Um, And it's extremely sad, especially I think age plays a huge factor in this movie because age is not something that's often revered in our culture. Just lock up our elders. (laughs) Yeah, we sort of we sort of just kind of cast them aside and never really talk about what it's like to age. We're not really taught how to age well. And, and, you know, no one really tells you, hey, it's going to be this difficult or, or this hard, you know. And so watching this character who was an engineer, a brilliant mind, go through everything he went through was very sad. It was a really sad movie. But uh, it was really difficult to watch for me personally because it's like watching one of my worst fears come true for me because I would hate to lose my mind in that capacity the way that he did in this movie, this character did. It's funny you mentioned the cultural significance of it, especially coming off of Minari Mm -hmm. and the Eastern values of like the importance placed on the elder, how they're always living with them in the Eastern cultures versus the Western cultures where we have homes, you know, where we can send these people off to. Right. And when we see a a glimpse of that from Anthony Hopkins perspective later on in the film, it's a very Mm -hmm. terrifying experience. And very cold. And how their life changes. That's really hard to watch. Yeah, I see this a lot in horror films. Dementia is a very common story device, yeah, yeah, yeah. tool for evoking those emotions. Yeah, and there were some really, you know, kind of like we said, terrifying moments in this film. But it's not a horror film; it's a drama. Yeah, even in some moments, I think Florian even threw out the words "black comedy" because there, uh, there, there are. It's not all sad, you know. Anthony still has, or his character still has moments of lucidness and. Yeah. You know, can still smile and laugh, but there's this sort of manic state. Even put down people in a very witty manner. Yeah, he was hilarious. (laughs) Anthony Hopkins really got to show the full spectrum of his range, I think, in this this film, which is why when we're looking at all the other contenders for, you know, an actor this year, it's going to be hard to say because I think Anthony's won awards before for his performances, but this is really, I think, in my opinion a venerable actor at the mm. height of his game. Mm. So so let's talk about what it's nominated for really quick. It's uh, nominated for six Academy Awards. Best Picture, which is why we're doing this podcast. Nice. Best Actor for Anthony Hopkins, like Gabe was just saying. Best Supporting Actress for Olivia Coleman. Best Adapted Screenplay for Florian Zeller and Christopher Hampton. Best Production Design. And best film editing for Yorgos Lamprinos, like you said. And Yorgos. Uh, I could see that contending for, like we were just saying, his, the editing sort of makes this film what it is. Yeah. So do you think it'll win best picture? <laughs> uh, probably not. I would say, just judging by what we know of the crazy preferential ballot system that the best picture category uses, mm-hmm. I think there's actually a decent chance it might win because I can see a lot of people putting this as two or three on their list, whereas one will be splitting the vote. So I don't know. I, I think there's actually a decent chance that the father might sneak out a win. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening. I'm really 50-50 on this one. I don't know. It could win. It could not win. I could I think, see it going in a different way. But I think it was top half for me. If we were going to rate these films, you asked me to rate it last week and I had a hard time. Yeah, it's around four or five for me, I think, for sure. I know that Florian Zeller wants to write uh, a trilogy. Out of this movie? Yeah, probably not like a, you know, very strict sequential sort of story. 
uh, as that's, as that's like <laughs> the reaction that I just had when you said that was the same reaction I had when <laughs> someone told me James Cameron wanted to make three more Avatar films. Well, I, like, I think it, it's probably disingenuous to call it a trilogy. <laughs> I think he wants to write more stories in this. Uh, I maybe call them spiritual sequels. He wants to write, mm. I think, the son and the mother to tell similar stories probably not revolving around dementia or the same characters but yeah like i don't imagine the mother similar will be. themes yeah something of this level of quality i got you and storytelling yeah but he does want to write more and probably direct him as well now that he's dipped his toes in feature filmmaking i think we'll definitely be seeing more of mr florian zeller was this a british production yeah they made this one in london was but it? again it was a french stage play certainly very good i'm glad we watched it yeah i mean it's definitely a contender there are definitely other movies that were released just like last year when we were talking about 2019 there were so many films that came out that year that weren't really acknowledged and we were just up in arms about how dare they how that could happen lighthouse midsommar farewell yeah again the academy awards are not the end-all be-all for what makes a film no. good so why are we even <laughs> doing this it was the galvanization uh. it's what got us to make a podcast <laughs> huh? and now we're just back we've gone we're full back. circle <laughs> i'm ready to go back to theaters let's go i know you need to Mortal Kombat. I can't believe Borat was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. It was adapted? What was it adapted from? How can... What? They adapted it from shooting it and then writing the screenplay afterward. (laughs) I just found out more about how the Academy works with nominations. What do you mean? So there's like 10,000 people in the Academy, right? There are 17 categories based off of like your thing. So you have directing, editing, production, producing. So each category votes for its nominees and then the entire academy votes for the winners 